1: And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you here tonight, along with our co-host and producer, Elaine Harlan, of course, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey. And tonight, uh, Elaine, a cast of thousands yes. uh, here, ah, <laughs> <seems> <laughs> uh, like some uh, some wonderful uh, friends that we'd like to you uh, like to have you meet in just a couple of moments. And we're going to be uh, addressing an issue that no matter where you are in the world, I'm sure that you can resonate mm-hmm. with at least to some degree. And uh, that is the issue of gang violence. And uh, just an incredible program called Project Safe, and we're going to be talking about it. It's been used in other parts of the country, in uh, in Boston, Chicago, uh, Stockton, even here in the Central Valley, and and now in the greater Modesto area, Stanislaus County. We're going to be talking about how that works and uh, what's going on, and and perhaps you may have some questions, and you're welcome to email those to us a little bit later on, and we'll be happy uh, to tell you what's going on here. But these are the experts; these are the people who are on the ground involved in it, and we're going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. Before we do that, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people
2: think when they
3: hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do if they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news about some real-life Jesus freaks who cannot publicly proclaim Christ. Today, in countries we can't mention by name, there are hundreds of Christians who worship the Lord in private. But in public, they work for terrorist dictators and communist governments.
1: Their positions of authority allow them to access information they use to warn underground churches about upcoming raids and protect Christians who are already in prison. When these undercover agents for Jesus are caught, they are severely punished. But ironically, that's when they can finally, joyfully praise God in public. Get a global perspective from the Voice of the Martyrs. Go online to persecution.net. Friends, just a reminder, if you'd like to find out more about what's happening with Advancing Vibrant Communities, new opportunities to serve, you can check out our daily update page at vibrantcommunities.org. That's VibrantCommunities.org. Click on the little red flashy thing. It's a gizmo. A gizmo icon. (laughs) Take it right to the Daily Update page. And uh, for those of you who are on Facebook, and you know, I mean, I resisted this. You did. For a long time. But Advancing Vibrant Communities is now on Facebook. Uh, mercifully, my face isn 't on Facebook, but uh, the, oh. a- the ABC logo is and <laughs> yeah well it 's in the post office too yeah. uh, milk uh, better than a milk carton <laughs> for <laughs> me, I think. Uh, or not, depending on how you look at that. But anyway, you can uh, go to Facebook.com backslash Advancing Vibrant Communities and get daily updates there as well as our daily update page at VibrantCommunities.org. Let's
0: check out a few uh, opportunities to volunteer. This comes from the Volunteer Center of the United Way. The Center for Human Services encourages you to share your knowledge of the legal system at youth court. Adult volunteers who are knowledgeable of the law serve as mentors to assist volunteer attorneys with trial preparation and as judges to preside over the court. And The court sessions are usually held during the evening on the third Tuesday in Oakdale and bimonthly on Wednesdays in Modesto. Youth volunteers, this is neat, ages 13 to 17, are also needed to serve as defense and prosecution attorneys, jury members, and bailiffs, and court clerks. The youth court process offers first-time juvenile defendants who have admitted responsibility for their offense an opportunity to have their case heard by a jury of their peers with an adult volunteer judge experienced in juvenile law presiding. That's a pretty cool thing. Now, our uh, friends... Isn't,
1: as, isn't though, having kids pretend they're lawyers, isn't that cruel and unusual Punishment. Might I don't. Be, no, that's. A, yeah. Now we'll get all the cards and letters. <laughs> and coming. please address them to Pastor just Mike. Just being facetious.
0: <laughs> Our friends at the Stanislaw County Library want you to interact with young children and their caregivers during the Wiggle Worms Story Hour. Wiggle Worms combines age-appropriate stories and movement activities that promote essential pre-reading skills for wiggle children worms. ages two years and younger. It
1: was the pastor's conference. It probably I
0: was, you and me. you were probably the biggest Wiggle Worm know, there. So. Volunteers ages 18 years and older are needed to assist the children's department staff with seven Set up, clean up, greet attendees, distribute, collect, and sanitize rhythm instruments, and annual surveys on Mondays from 930 to 12 or Wednesdays from 1030 to 12 noon. Orientation and training is provided. Volunteers must have good people skills, enjoy young children, work quickly with accuracy, be able to push, bend, stretch, lift, and kneel, and pass a background check. Now, the mission of the Stanislaw County Library is to foster the love of reading and open the door to knowledge. Now, if you prefer your student is beyond wiggle-worm stage, <laughs> then we re- recommend you sign up for the most excellent Reading Works adult literacy program, where volunteers aged 16 years and older spend just a couple of hours per week increasing a student's basic reading skills, utilizing an easy-to-follow phonics-based curriculum. Uh, Reading Works is providing a tutor orientation Wednesday, April 7th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., followed by a tutor training on Saturday, April 10th from 10 to 4. Uh, both will be held at the Modesto Library Downtown Auditorium. Now, for more information on any of these opportunities to volunteer, contact Barbara Borba at 209-524-1307, extension 113, or email bborba at uastan.org. And uh, on the ABC front, uh, opportunities, uh, working refrigerators. Why do we say that, you ask? Working refrigerators. Very important, huh, Pastor Mike?
1: It is. Mine's not working right now, isn't it? <laughs> I do know.
0: I that. had to go I to Turlock
1: to find the part to fix the refrigerator. Yeah, there's a little thing in there called, and I know Mr. Owl will know, because Mr. Owl knows all things mechanical. A little thing in there called the defroster timer. And it can wreak havoc. I have, I mean, Nanook in the north can live <laughs> in my freezer right now. It looks like the <laughs> abominable snowman has been in there. And it's due to the, it won't defrost, mm-hmm. which is more than you probably wanted to know. Probably. But probably. A, a $30 part's going to take care
0: of the problem. Well, we hope you, know? you get that fixed because we might have to ask for a donation of one. And we just want to encourage you, if you are donating a fridge, that it does work. Amen. And so. that it is in good, clean, working condition. So functioning appliances, whether it be refrigerator, washing machines, dryers are needed for families less fortunate. Many of these families are working, but their hours have been cut back, and it's hard to budget those extra purchases. So if you have uh, been wanting to make a donation, please contact us uh, at 209-544-9571. And thank you for your spirit of giving. You know, just this.
1: what we ask is if you would just clean the refrigerator, you know, before you donate That's it, helpful. make sure that it's, uh, it's in working order. But, you know, it's like... If Jesus showed up at your door with a refrigerator, would you want it to look like what you're donating? You know, I mean, that's, that's the measure that we use. How would you like to receive the appliance that you're donating? So take a little time, clean it up, and it'll be a wonderful blessing, a wonderful gift to someone in need in our community.
0: Absolutely. You know, toward the beginning of this year, we were privileged to have Modesto Chief of Police Mike Harden here on Lighthouse Live, and we want to congratulate him because he is the chief of police now, but uh, he thoroughly endorsed and upheld Project SAFE, which is what we're all about tonight, and uh, we are just so blessed to have this room full. We are quite cozy here. Is everybody okay here tonight? <laughs> we want to welcome the team, uh, and this is just some of the team because it's quite a large team around the table to everyone as we welcome Martha Cisneros, uh, Detective Robert Gum. Captain Mike Harris of the Modesto Police Department, Leslie Antonis, and Bonnie Driscoll. Welcome to all of you. We've got lots of ground to cover tonight, uh, and we just want to thank you all for being here. We know that, Leslie, today's your day off, and I don't know, it might be uh, Detective Robert Gunn's day off. I don't know. It, it, he's in his sweatshirt and everything, quite comfortable, but we just want to, <laughs> we want to thank everybody for being well, here. Well, if the
1: captain's sitting here, he's saying, oh, no, 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 I want to have it.
0: <laughs> The captain is quite nicely dressed, but when we talk about Project SAFE, uh, you know, for the longest time i didn 't know what that stood for, but let's let 's just let it be known striving for accountability and future employment and that 's a good thing to strive for we 're going to be talking a lot about gangs uh, gang related activities what we 're doing for the youth and young adults. Uh, as it relates to gang activity, gang violence, and turning all of this around. And as Pastor Mike said, we have the experts with us tonight. So we want to talk about whose brainchild was Project SAVED, was it a, a team collaboration, uh, what our objectives are, and how effective are we in all of these things, and who wants to be brave and start us off.
1: Well, let's uh, first of all, let's talk about the problem. Before we frame the answer, and, and Captain Mike Harris, let's just talk a little bit about the gang problem in Modesto, the greater Modesto or Sos County, and the reasons why we had to look at a program like Project Safe.
2: Sure. Now, thanks for having us here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've, we've gone back and, and we've noticed that we've seen a steady increase in gang violence in our community. Um, we look at the statistics. We measure them from year to year. And they just keep going up. We look at, you know, we've, we've started keeping track of the number of gang members that we have, documented gang members in the city, in the county. We see that increasing. We see the violence increasing. Uh, it's in our schools. Um, it's in our community. It's everywhere. So, so we really needed to do something. And we, we realized as a police department that this is not just a police problem. This is a mm-hmm. community-wide issue and we cannot arrest the problem away. We can't arrest everybody that needs to be arrested and have a place to put them and, and keep everybody else safe. We need to do something to try and want to change lives, uh, make these folks maybe head in another direction, um, make them want to obey the law like, like every good citizen. Um, and so we started looking around at at, uh, at other programs. We applied for grants, and that's how we came to become involved. With, with this program, Project SAFE. Now,
1: we're talking about gang violence. We're we talking stabbing shootings. What, what Specifically, what are we talking
2: well, about? Well, uh, it, it encompasses all of that, but specifically what this program is looking at is, is violent gun crime. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at, uh, you know, there are far more fatalities with guns than there are over, you know, just street fights. Mm-hmm. Sure, so uh, sure. if we can limit our focus on that and what causes the most harm, and focus on that, and try and put all our resources towards that, and reduce those number of crimes, and we can have a, a bigger impact on violence, reducing violence.
1: Robert, Gum's out on the street, and you kind of have your finger on the, the your thumb on the pulse of what's happening out there. And and the captain was talking about uh, documented gang members, uh, undocumented gang members. We have sort of what like five thousand documented, and, and what do we what do we mean by documented?
4: Uh, when we talk about <coughs> documented, that's <coughs> excuse me, that's uh, Gang members that law enforcement has contacted, and they meet the criteria. In California, we have nine criteria to document them as gang members, and to document them, they need to meet at least two of them. Uh, It could be things such as they have gang tattoos, wearing gang colors would be two of them. Uh, Self-admission would be another one if they tell the officer that they're a gang member, Uh, things like that. So we have a little over 5,000. I think it's 5,300 documented gang members in the greater Modesto area. And we estimate it to, more realistically, about ten to 12,000.
1: And uh, primarily Norteños, Surreños? Uh, uh, both.
0: About
4: 85% of our documented gang members belong to Hispanic gangs, Norteños and Sireños.
0: And, Robert, you're getting a new information all the time. I know the last meeting that we attended, you were talking about the Asian disrespect and uh, a little bit about the northern riders and the dropout Norteños. Can you – are these – normal terms that the average family talks around the dinner table or what What? what, what educate no, us? No, really? Our,
4: uh, when we talk about Northern Riders it's, um, we getting, we're getting we getting now we're seeing more and more what they call dropout gangs mm-hmm. where a gang member will drop out of his current gang uh, maybe because he does, maybe there's some bad blood between him and, and some of the hierarchy in that gang. Uh, they don't want to function when they go to county jail uh, so they become dropouts and they don't, they don't get rid of that gang mentality. They still want to be gangsters. They're just no longer with, you know, let's say they're Norteños. And what a lot of them have done, have banded together and formed what they call dropout gangs. So that basically they just have formed a new gang.
1: You know, one one side of the table here, uh, Elaine, is is over 50, and I'm not... Sure about the other side of the <laughs> table, but you know <clears throat> I, think, I think
0: you and L and I
1: growing up, I mean, you know, it was I remember and this was in, in the late sixties, early seventies and in, in, in the LA area, you know, we, we heard about the bloods, the Crips, and, and that there was a little bit of action, you know, where I was in Pasadena, but but not a whole lot. Uh, and we seem to have this whole new dichotomy this whole new culture. Uh, that that's that's infesting our our areas. Did it all come from the Modesto area here? Or was it coming in from L.A. from San Jose? Where, where are all these people coming from to our fair city?
4: Well, our biggest gang problem, of course, are Hispanic gangs. And that's because we're an agri- agricultural community, and so we have a lot of migration of families coming up. Uh, to this area because of that and a lot of them are hispanic so uh, our problems you know you talk about crips and bloods that's demographics that we don't have here most mm-hmm. of ours are hispanic problems um, and when i talk about hispanic problems i'm not talking about hispanic youth right. latino youth anything like that because we have uh, our norteños cover just about every race we have you know every race inside of what's traditionally a hispanic gang so it's not just a hispanic culture problem it's uh, you know affects white kids, African Americans, Asian kids who belong to these Hispanic, what's traditionally a Hispanic gang. Right. Um, we, I would say that a lot of our a lot of our Nortenos are what they would call homegrown. They've been here for generations. Uh, a lot of our our gangs here, Norteno gangs, are multi generational sets. You know, maybe the fathers have belonged to them, uh, older brothers, and then now the younger brothers. Uh, we're getting a huge influx of serenos into the area. And that's coming from L.A. and from the Bay Area.
1: Okay. Uh, Elaine, you asked a couple of minutes ago about uh, the, the genesis of Project Safe And, mm-hmm. Captain, can you take mm-hmm. us uh, back just a little bit? Uh, how did that come up on our radar screen? And, and uh, what did we see from other cities that told us, hey, this is something we want to be involved
2: in? Yeah. Well, um, we, ap- we applied for a grant from the, uh, the state um, governor's office of gang and youth violence policy. And uh, we competed with a number of other cities. Um, I think there were probably 20-some cities, and um, and it was a competitive grant. We, along with four other cities, were selected. And uh, as part of that grant, we were uh, partnered up with the Public Health Institute, and they have these safe community partnership strategies. And it's based on um, – it's uh, program that goes back into the 90s, and it was developed by some Harvard researchers, uh, David Kennedy, Anthony Braga. And it was uh, first put in place in Boston in the 1990s, and um, it was called Cease Fire. And basically, like, it, it has to do with focusing on the highest risk people for, uh, for violence in your community and if you can affect some change in that in that population you can have a significant impact on on crime reduction so um so anyway we got this grant and we uh we we had to start building our team at that point and that was uh what about a little over a year ago that we we began this this project and um so we sat down and 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 listed out some goals what we wanted to try and achieve and then began to build the the group the working group and uh, and it's just gone on from there, and we had our first call in in January. And yeah. It's uh, going along pretty well.
1: Now, the the stats were pretty impressive. I think as you look at some of these yeah. other cities, uh, what somewhere between thirty to forty percent reductions yeah. in gang violence. Yeah, some that... of them
2: had had even sixty three percent. You know, specific to gang related shootings, drop. That is significant. Thirty seven to sixty three percent. Now, you know. Anything is. We'll take. We'll take anything. Yes. You know. I mean, yeah. we're we're hoping for double digits. We'll see. Yes. But uh, you know, we got to do something, right? right? We can't just sit back and and do nothing. And and so, we're 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 working hard on it.
0: You know, in building your team, Captain. Um, we were very blessed here at ABC to be contacted by your intake coordinator for gang youth, um, and and Martha. Cisneros, we want you to step up to the. Maybe Robert will share this microphone, and if he doesn't, he'll do it anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. And um, I know that each team, team member is very, very important. It's just vital to this whole project and uh, this effort. And it takes everybody working together to to make this come off. And everybody has their own part. And, uh, Martha, we want to thank you for the many hours that you put into this. In each and every meeting, call-in and, and working meeting that we attend, we can just see uh, you working very hard and diligently. And everybody, Captain Harris, everybody on the team just does this, but Martha is just, just wonderful. And we want to thank you. Martha, talk to us about what it is that you do uh, to coordinate uh, for, the, uh, for the gang youth and, and what your part in this is.
5: Uh, well, thanks to the partnership between the Stanislaus County Office of Education and the Modesto Police Department, and their um, their ability to motivate a community and get everyone together, we've been able to create my position, which is an intake coordinator for the gang youth that um, attend the Collins. And pretty much all that is is um, all that is Um huh? uh, what it is 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 resourcing young people out to working programs and or educational development programs, like the GED, or there's some youth that perhaps have an individual education plan or a special need that they need help in the school systems and navigating the school systems and and resources. And we've used your organization as well as as a menu, if you will, for lack of a better term, for services um, throughout the county. Most of the time, most families and young people and in their families, sometimes they get caught up in certain things because they don't know where to turn to. And um, it's easy to go to a young person and say, okay, what do you need? You know, going through an assessment that they created in the working group that was created by um, several members of the community as to what to ask these young people to be able to um, extract what their immediate needs are and if they are going to leave the gang life, how is that gonna be possible? So things like employment, We work alongside Project YES and Alliance WorkNet, and they've done an excellent job at resourcing young people with jobs, with educational development, and we check in weekly, if not daily, on different um, young people that have come through the Collins to check up on them. The Department of Probation through the county, to the Sheriff's Department, everyone is in, in working effort to work with me in resourcing these young people. Um, so it, it really, truly is a, a group effort. And one of the key players, Nikki Stone, who's not here, she she is um, really, really essential in finding these young people and following up with the police department and getting the meetings, and Marissa Castellone as well, um, very instrumental. So it, it truly is a, a, to say that it's just A couple of people know it's it's really a team effort and an effort to stop the violence and and that really is the the key message is to stop the violence and to help these young people as best as possible Mm -hmm. to receive resources to navigate in their communities in a safe and be a social productive member of society versus a counterproductive member and um, again everyone's on board teachers principals superintendent. um, Everyone's on board.
1: You know, we've used the word uh, call-in here a couple of times. Let's unpack that a little bit, Captain, uh, for everyone. Uh, This is uh, actually calling uh, somewhere between what the 15, 17 uh, uh, gang members, and and these are violent offenders, into a room with the community. And, and Martha, I appreciate uh, you underscoring the fact this is a community effort, and I think that is so cool to see. You know, when the community works together, you know, some powerful things happen. Um, Captain, can you just uh, give us a quick picture of what a call-in is and and what it looks like?
2: Absolutely. Um, We identify the the high-risk youth for gun violence in our community. And we mandate that they come to one of these meetings that we refer to as call-ins. Now, we mandate them usually through probation terms. They're usually already on probation or parole. We use that to get them to the meeting. We have gone outside of that, and we have invited some people that aren't on probation or parole, and they have also showed up. So we get them to this meeting, and it's called a call-in. At this meeting, we have a, a group of people that have been selected to speak. They represent the community. They are the moral voice of the community. They are the leaders, the civic leaders of the community. Um, and each person, and there's, there's roughly eight to ten speakers. Uh, it's all very organized. It's all very, you know, thought out and prepared. But um, each person gets up and speaks to their specific, you know, issue or what, they, what they're involved in. Like the chief of police will speak, and he'll talk about the violence in the community. Then a district attorney will speak. A federal prosecutor will speak. Um, we have people from the Alliance work you know, Detective Gum will speak. And, and then we have, we're really, we have, uh, reformed gang members who will speak. And then we're very blessed also to have some impact speakers. Mm-hmm. And those are, um, mothers within the community or family members who have lost a, a close, uh, family member to gang violence. And we really want to get it across. To these. We have them for a short period of time. Right. We have their attention for a short period of time. And we want to get across to you, to them um, a lot a, a lot of information in a short amount of time, and, and we want it to to be uh, emotional. We want them to to understand the impacts that, that their lifestyle has, and we give them an opportunity. You know, maybe they feel like they haven't had an opportunity. Uh, life's you know been kind of rough or whatever. Well, this starting today, you have a choice, and it's either you know either get on this road or we have to do what we have to do to protect uh, our neighborhood and our city.
1: Well, I think it's interesting, uh, h- having served as an interviewer afterwards, and yes. s- I hope Martha can read my scrawling, you know, I <laughs> always worry about that, but, uh, you know, i been to been to two of them, and, and I had um, two gang members that were kind of on opposite poles, you know, w- one wanted to go home; <laughs> wasn't real interested. Uh, but the the other, know uh, was very interested, at, at least at that point, in in uh, pursuing some education and and uh, some jobs and, and and such. And I think the power of this is that you have people in the room who can supply what they're looking for if they're serious. And uh, as as you said, Captain, the 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 message is the violent the violence must stop. And in order to do that, we're going to give you a choice. You know, we can go down the road we have been going down, and I think one of the powerful things you talk about, um, is especially the, the federal folks, is that they can be prosecuted in the U.S. Sure. Uh, court, right, uh, and, and under the federal law, which means a whole lot. Of a different uh, thing to them in terms of where they're going to do their time and where their family can find them. So there's uh, uh, there, there's that aspect of it, but also you have people in the room to say, "Hey, we're we're going to help you out if you're mm-hmm. if you're interested, and we'll help you uh, attain the goals you want to." I think uh, some of the most powerful <laughs> moments are are delivered by uh, you know Bonnie uh, and 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 others parents. Mm-hmm. Of the victims, I mean you know, Bonnie, when you get up there and you start to tell your story uh, i don 't know how many of these gang members have been confronted by the mother you know of one of their victims and uh, and also, Leslie, as a registered nurse, you work in the e r and and you see uh, these guys and gals come in 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 various stages of of disrepair, having been shot, stabbed, et cetera and uh, your testimony too is is very powerful, so I think you you pull all that stuff together and it may present the gang member with a whole different picture of what's going on and, and give him or her the opportunity to get out. Um, I want to talk a, a, a little bit about what you have seen. And, uh, Martha, you've kind of been the point person. Uh, after the um, after the uh, call-ins happened, the interview sheets come to you. You go over them, and hopefully uh, a lot of these guys are, are calling in to you. Within about 48 hours, I think, is, is, is the time. Uh, and, of course, we don't name any names here or anything, but give us a maybe a, 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 just a, uh, your sense of what type of reaction you're getting from those who call in. Is it having some impact? Or are they asking questions? What, what are you getting on your end?
5: Well, what we're seeing is, and I say we because it really is a joint effort with the agencies that I'm referring them out to, Um, we're on them. We call Mm. them consistently. I think that we call them more than their own friends do just checking up on them and just making sure that, um, that they're following through. And in retrospect, we're also asking them, Hey, are the services that we're sending you to, are they working for you? And if they're not, okay, let's look at a different plan. Let's look at something a little bit different to fit what your need is. And I think that so far, um, we bug them, because that's probably a better word. We bug them a so good much. And when they don't show up, I go look for them. And, and, it's, and it's funny, because when you're in front of them with their families, and of course you're escorted with probation or with um, their probation officer and or uh, school resource officer, um, it's less threatening. Because now they're saying, not just is the school resource officer with you, not just probations with you, or officer gums with you, now the community's with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. and so now now we're coming to you as a group. What do you need? Why is it that, that you didn't show up to school today? Or why is it that you didn't go to your appointment at over here at one of the programs that we referred you to? Do you need a ride? Do you need a bus ticket? What do you need?
0: There's and no excuse. So huh? yeah. pretty much
5: we're just there. Yes. And and the community's there. So yeah. um, I think that the, the greatest impact that I've seen is the follow-through in all the community agencies that have stepped up. Mm. If if it's not the Council for the Spanish Speaking, it's WorkNet. If it's not WorkNet, it's Project Yes. Somebody's there, always looking at them. And I think that's kind of um, intimidating sometimes because they know that, oh, man, somebody cares about me and they're not a gang member.
0: People truly want yeah. to help them. The community
5: yes. doesn't see me as just yes. a gang member. They exactly. see me as somebody who can possibly be a productive member of society. So I think that that's what I've seen um, primarily. Of course, we're going to have a couple that, well... Given the nature of, of their own right, they fall off the wagon, but they quickly, quickly contact parole and probation talking about, I don't want to get out of the program. Don't kick me out of the program <laughs> because they because of something that may be minor or whatever. But, um, again, we're on them, and we work alongside anybody that's around them to be able to resource them.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They realize the seriousness of Yeah, them.
2: Just to the, add to yes. what she's saying – also, we, we want to remember that the, the goal is to reduce violence. Mm-hmm. If, if, we, if we can get them a job, if we can get them some training, if we can get them an education, great. We want to do that. But the goal is to reduce violence. And it has shown, studies have shown, this is evidence-based. The community coming together, the moral voice of the community telling them to stop the violence, no more shooting. That in itself has an impact. Whether or not they take up any of these services, mm-hmm. we want them to. We want them to because we want to change lives if we can. But just the fact of getting them in a room and the community confronting them and saying, hey, this is our community, and we won't take this anymore, it has an impact that in itself.
0: We've got so much more with Project Safe coming up uh, right after the break, and we'll be talking also with Bonnie and Leslie as well. Toby Mack relates in his song that we're going to listen to in this week's edition of the show. He talks about feeling uh, alive again, and uh, that's what he entitled Burn For You here on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back right after this.
3: the ocean blue, I'm a brand new man in a foreign land, I'm a man who's in that fire, and it's all so clear when I'm standing here at the peak.
0: on Lighthouse Live, Burn for You, along with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and the team from Project Safe. And uh, so much ground to cover tonight, and we are so blessed to have everybody aboard with us, and we've been talking about Project SAFE, the objectives, and why we are together for this very important effort to wipe out gang violence and to turn lives around. And uh, we've been talking to Captain Harris and Detective Robert Gum, and and Martha Cisneros was with us as well. And we also have a couple of ladies with us that have joined the team, and uh, we want to give a A big welcome to Bonnie Driscoll and uh, also to Leslie Antonis. Leslie is a nurse, works at the uh, emergency room. She's a certified emergency nurse. And uh, Leslie, you see a lot of the people that come in from the gang violence. And uh, you want to share with us what your perspective is and and what it is that you add to uh, the call-ins, as we call it, and uh, just uh, share your perspective of what you see from gang violence.
6: Um, the thing that I see with the gang violence basically is the violence and the injuries that are um, caused from the violence, whether it be an assault or a stabbing or a shooting. So when we go to the call-ins, this is what I try to get to uh, across to the kids, how much this violence affects them and their families, um, especially the families, especially if there's a death and they leave their families behind. They have no idea the devastation that it causes, that the families go through, that the grief um and and that what it does to their family. So that's sort of what we touch on and then there are a lot of people who do survive who have a lot of devastating lifelong injuries whether it be a paraplegic from a gunshot wound. So again, their families are put through a lot of uh stress and a lot of it's a lifelong journey when you have a debilitating injury, and especially when they're a teen. So we try to, you know, display to them that it's it's not a bed of roses being in a gang and that there are a lot of injuries that come along with it. It's a very violent way of life. Um you know, they're always at a risk for being assaulted or a drive-by shooting or stabbing. So that's what I bring to the call-ins, what I see in the hospital setting. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you, you do bring a, a very unique perspective you because you are the ones that uh, that are in the ER. But there's uh, there's also that um, you've mentioned several times that environment, the the feeling, the gut-wrenching thing, when you bring the family into the side room there and have to inform them that their teenager has uh, has died of the injuries, uh, take us into that room a little bit and talk to us about what what happens there and and the impact upon you and, and the others in the room.
6: Well, we have what 's called a quiet room and it 's a very small room and like I point out to the kids it's a room that has a bunch of chairs uh, a plant and about forty boxes of Kleenexes, which is really not a good thing when you you bring a family in there. They obviously know that it's not a going to be a, mm-hmm. a good uh delivery of news, so we take the families in there and then we prepare them for what's going what they're gonna see, so whether there's tubes and all that kind of stuff and when we take them to the bedside, it's very it i think that has to be the worst thing as a parent to listen to those parents mm-hmm. just sob and and say why and no and come back it 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 really is heart-wrenching to listen to them and know that they are truly grieving for their child that made wrong choices in life and and you know ended up in this position so that's very very heart-wrenching um and again, I'm a human. It makes me cry Jeez. when I have to listen to those families because, like I said, I'm a parent and I couldn't imagine losing my child, um, you know, even though they sort of choose to be in that that path and they know the consequences and they know some of the risks that they take as a gang member. So um, that's, that's what I try to get across to them, that it leaves a big impact on their families and they may not realize it, um, but it, it really does.
1: You know, and, and I, in, in that environment, there is nothing that you can say that can make it better. No. There are no words, there are no words that you can say that will alleviate the pain uh, that, that people feel. You know, it's just what is. At, I'm sorry uh, doesn't get moment. it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sorry for your
6: loss doesn't get it.
1: Absolutely not. We'll and see. And in fact, often that brings up you know, some some anger issues and and legitimately uh, legitimately. So so we we thank you yes, uh, thank very you. much Leslie, Plus for what you do all that in the and, and you're here
0: today on your day off as as, as is Detective Robert <laughs> Gum. And and uh, also with us today is is Bonnie Driscoll. And Bonnie, um, you want to move up to your microphone, hun. And and I, I just want to say, murder is never okay. And uh, Bonnie, you just. Uh, you just touch uh, the room with a story that uh, you, you talk about gut-wrenching. Uh, Pastor Mike mentioned that. And uh, uh, you, what you share with these uh, young people. Uh, we talk talk about them being kids, but many of them are legitimately adults, aren't they, Captain sure. Harris? Yes, because uh, they, they truly are. But uh, share with us uh, your story, what you bring.
3: Well, like Leslie was saying, um It brought back memories of, we know what that room is like. Mm. When, uh, on August 24, 2003, my daughter and her boyfriend went to the store. And when they came out, one gang was shooting at another gang. And she was an innocent bystander and she was fatally shot. When we got to that hospital and... I guess we got there right after the ambulance. Um, We were taken to this small room. Had a little keypad on the door. You were escorted in. They kind of did a little keypad thing, locked you in, and then you waited for somebody to come tell you something, And uh, which, in fact, a doctor did. Um, He was still in his scrubs, covered in my daughter's blood, and explained to us that she wasn't going to live for the next ten minutes, let alone through the night. And it was a very... Hard thing. She had coded a couple times, they had brought her back and uh, she was moved to ICU. She survived 36 hours Mm. with a gunshot wound through the head. And um, we had to take her off the ventilator because all of her organs and things started shutting down and basically because we couldn't let her suffer anymore. Well, my daughter was killed on her daughter's third birthday she was a single mother Mm. she was 25 and she had a three-year-old daughter i raise her now she's almost 10 the crime is unsolved and for me basically doing this safe program it's kind of a twofold for me actually i'm able to put lacy's story out there Mm. to a projected audience you know, once who would know what was going on. Right. And two, our hope, our family's hope is that it reaches even one, that when they make that decision to shoot a gun yes. at somebody else that yeah. they think not to, and therefore yeah. spare another family what we have to go through.
1: I think, Captain, as as uh, you were briefing us early on, uh, as as community members, the mother's stories uh, were often the ones that uh, they really got the attention of the gang members, and certainly um, this one, Bonnie, that that you give us, you you can hear a pin drop in the, in the room. You really can, and and I know the you know the hurt never goes away, and. Uh, uh, we, we just thank you because I, I know that you, you really have to steel yourself up to go through that again. You know, every time that you uh, that you present that story. So we thank you doing, for doing that because you are making a sacrifice for the community, that uh, that takes a lot of uh, emotional, uh, spiritual, and, and probably some physical energy out of you as well. So as as the community, we thank you for, for going through that uh, to uh, to try to reach. Some of these, uh, some of these men that uh, that we bring in. Just uh, interested in in your perspectives, uh, Captain Mike Harris and and Detective Robert Gum. As as you're sitting there, and and you guys know some of these guys who are sitting there. uh, You know you know their histories. Uh, As you're watching them, uh, are are these stories having an impact? Uh, What 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 do you see? Because I'm looking at the back of their heads. I can't see. At best, I get a profile. What are you seeing on, on the faces as some of these stories are, are being told?
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Robert.
4: It, it's interesting because I know a majority of these gang members are in there. I know them personally. I've arrested them. I've contacted them. A lot of them are hardcore, what they would consider hardcore gang members, guys that, that have in and out of the system all the time, uh, out there committing all kinds of acts of violence. And it's a transition you see during these call-ins. We start out with law enforcement speaking. And there they got their their gangster mentality, their attitude. uh, They're laid back in their chairs. They're not really paying attention. It's just uh, here's the cops speaking again, Mm -hmm. you know, telling us what not to do, but we're not going to listen to them. You see a transition go from when the community starts to speak. But it doesn't really change until we have our impact speaker. It starts out with a former gang member. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they kind of sit up and listen to him because he's got a story to tell, and it's a great story about, you know, choices he's made in his past and and the way it's changed his life and affected his family. But it really is amazing when the the impact speakers, the mothers who've lost their child to uh, gang violence, we've had two of them speak, Uh, a a mother named Wayna, whose child who is Mm -hmm. a gang member who – she hasn't lost anyone she's loved, but she has because he's in, currently in custody and will probably be there for the rest of his life, Christ. and she's raising his children. Mm-hmm. And then when Bonnie speaks about her loss of a – here's here's an innocent person killed in a drive-by shooting, and that's what we commonly see, unfortunately, is innocent people getting hurt out there. And it, it's – what we see up there is the gang members then start to you know put their head down, will pay attention – uh, we have a lot of them that are wiping their eyes. Uh, they put them. It's it's it. It's weird just for that for them to hear what they're kind of violence, how it affects somebody. Mm. And so we do have that that turn from the gangster mentality to now they're paying attention. And you got some of them who are even
1: crying. Yeah, uh, Captain. You've also visited some other cities. Yes. And, uh, what What have you seen during the call-ins in, in other cities?
2: We went down to uh, to Oxnard and uh, visited they, they're they're instituting a similar program to ours and we visited one of their call-ins when this we was were,
0: just recently wasn't this it? was yes. uh when was it
2: in december i believe it was december yes yeah and um and yeah, we saw similar things uh the, the same kind of things uh they have impact speakers as well and and we saw the same exact things it's you know it, when they're confronted with the reality of what the life that they've lived and the things that they've done and um you know i think it it has to have an impact mm-hmm. and um we we just returned also from a a conference uh with all the cities that are uh that are involved in a pro, in this program um like i said there's five in california now there's an additional five that have just received funding from the state mm-hmm. so um we'll have a we'll have a total of 10 different cities um involved in in this program in, in some way it's not a, we each city customizes it a little right. bit to fit their mm-hmm. needs but it's just the same strategies at play
1: so uh, what's the word on the street uh, <laughs> i mean I, I would imagine that after the first one you know the network started to work We're on it talking. what's the word on the street yes. about this? it's
4: it's actually very interesting it's it's kind of we we laugh about it a little times because these gang members are now going to their schools And they're talking about amongst each other. They're talking about how the program, you know, they're 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 have that gangster mentality. Oh, that thing's, you know, that's stupid. I don't want to go to it. I'm not going to be involved in that program. But it's funny because as they're saying that, out of the first the first one we had, we had 17 people show up for this call, and out of 17, 16 of them chose to use the services. Mm -hmm. But those 16 that are out telling their friends, you know, that program's stupid, as they're all in it. So it's basically they're they're saving themselves a little pride, a little a little face, trying to keep that gangster mentality with their friends that they're not going to use the program, but they are. What's interesting, I shared the story with uh, Captain Harris earlier. Is we had a a, a shooting um, at Carpenter and Paradise two weekends ago, and we found the victims of this shooting. And uh, when I got there, one of them had been in a prior call in with us. And as soon as I got there, he says, "Hey, this is the guy I was telling you about about the call in to a bunch of other gang members." And I didn't know if that was good or bad at the time. <laughs> and, but they, what it turned out to be good because they were more interested in talking about the program and volunteering for the program. How do I get in? What how do what is how does this call in work? And they were what we normally see at a, at a drive-by shooting where the gangster mentality is, oh, we don't want to talk to you guys. We'll take care of it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in the last two weeks, we've had no retaliation shooting, anything like that. Wow. So they were more yeah. concerned about talking with the call-in, which really surprised me. Wow. Um, so we got, you know, we're going to refer a lot of them over to to the program. And, uh, you know, usually when we get to a scene like that, it's a lot of times it's, oh, uh, we'll take, you know, we're not going to talk to you guys. We'll take care of our problems ourselves.
0: Right. That is And so it was actually yeah. pretty good. Cause some of them are mandated to be there some of them are invited to be there
4: yeah we've been really successful um we the ones from probation and parole they're mandated to have to be there they mm-hmm. have to go or they're going to be violated um through the probation and parole office we've served several of them with what the, it's a letter basically mm-hmm. to invite them into the program and what we do is I'll go out there and make face to face contact with them a lot of these gang members know me and I explain the program to them give them this letter Tell them to hey come down at least listen to what we have to say. If you guys use the program or not, that's up to you. But at least give us an hour and a half to listen to what we have to say, and we've been very successful with that.
0: You know, that's it. Our jails and our prison systems are full. You know, we we're What's the end? What would you say to the families, Captain? What, what, what would you have to say to our families?
2: To the families in the community.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, a... you know, I mean, it starts at home. Um, is what I would say and we got to take responsibility for um, our actions and our and teach our kids uh, good values and um, keep them active, keep them busy, keep them involved in, in organized activities. Um, you know, they, these gang members want to say that they're so loyal to each other and so you know that's where they find love and respect. And like Leslie's so good at pointing out you know when they're in the hospital um and they're hooked up to tubes and you know can't do anything for themselves, their buddies are nowhere to be seen and and their family members are there um so it's it's just it's really uh a fake you know it's not it's not a real um uh, love and so We've just got to get our kids involved. We've got, as a community, we need to come together. We need to say what you know. What can I do? How can I help? And and that's what a lot of the people in this group have have done. Let me, if if you'll let me, I'll just read a list of, of all the different uh, organizations that are involved in this right yes. now. Starting at the top with you guys, advancing vibrant communities. We appreciate your involvement and your help in the project. Mm-hmm. It's, you're fantastic. We have a lot of different agencies, federal law enforcement agencies. We have the ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the DEA, the FBI. We have the Alliance WorkNet, which helps us find suitable jobs and training for these young men. We have um, another faith based community organization called Congregations Building Communities, uh, kind of a grassroots community organization to try and help neighborhoods, uh, you know, just build capacity in their neighborhood. And um, we have the Doctor's Medical Center, El Concilio. We have the Modesto City Schools. They're they're a big part of it. Stanislaus County Office of Education, which uh, provides Martha yes. and, and to partner yes. with, Martha Cisneros. So they're a huge partner. Project YES, which is uh, ran out of the Ceres Unified School District. The Stanislaus County Coroner's Office, the DA's Office, the Probation Department. We couldn't do it without the Probation Department. Okay. Right. The Sheriff's Office, the Parole Office. Um, the United Way, the U.S. Attorney, and uh, Youth for Christ, which is uh, yes. a local mm-hmm. faith-based organization, which um, they're fantastic. Um, yes. uh, many of the, the organizations that are involved in this, you know, some of them are speakers and some of them aren't. Uh, just because you're not a speaker doesn't mean you're not involved. After each call-in, we have an interviewer go speak individually one-on-one with each person. It's not, they don't have a choice. If we give them a choice, we are afraid that they just take off. So, and, and then we're also worried that if one of them did want, they would want to save face and they wouldn't want to talk. So as a result, we decided all of them are going to talk to someone for a brief period of time. So many of the people, um, to be the, the interviewers. And I know that's what you do, Mike. And, uh, we certainly appreciate it. We, we get a lot of information from them at that time. And, uh, you know, it's just you know to get this many people together mm. in a room is 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 progress. You know, sure. It, uh, uh, all these different organizations working together towards some to making our community a better place, a safer place. Mm. So,
1: you know, you mentioned before, Captain, earlier on in the program that we we can't book our way, we can't arrest our way out of this problem. You know, and and we've heard it said many many times that. The, the solution really is the family unit. Right. And, uh, uh, Detective Robert Gum, can you talk about that just, just for a little bit? The, the importance of, of families in our community, A, watching for signs of gang activity for their children because i'm sure there's some parents that deny it you know uh, they see the red they see the blue they see the tats and they they go "Eh, it can't be my son and then um secondarily what uh what people can do that don't live in areas although there's not too many areas that aren't affected somehow but you know in in not the hottest gang areas what what can people do to uh, address this problem uh just on on a daily basis
4: well, I talk, I do a lot of community presentations. I really believe in educating the public, um, because you, you have a lot of parents that, that don't know what to look for. And so we give them a lot of things to look for. And then we have the parents that have denial. We stress that the number one, the number one person for gang prevention is the parents. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, the, the gangs are a law enforcement problem. It's not a law enforcement problem at all. By the time law enforcement gets involved, the kids have done something. They're, they've already committed some kind of act of violence. It's the the family that can keep these kids out of gangs, and we try to stress that to the parents. If they see signs of it, they need to, they need to confront it right away instead of denial. We stress to parents that they need to be positive role models, um, stress the importance of education, not letting their kids drop out of school or being truant. Yeah. Um, I've stressed, you know, growing up, my parents were very involved in my life, and it doesn't seem like it's that way anymore. When mm-hmm. we try to stress to these parents that they need to know what's going on in their children's lives, and they need to be involved, because what happens is if the parents aren't involved, the, the gangs become a family to these gangs or to these kids, and then they it just festers from there. Um, we do have predominantly more gangs in a certain area of town than on another side town, but. Our whole community is affected by gang violence right. and gangs. Um, we have a lot of migration from the Bay Area, from Southern California, moving into the what was normally the non-gang areas of Modesto. And they bring that same gangster mentality with them just because mm-hmm. they move to a, a nicer location, a, a better part of town. They still bring that gangster mentality to them. Um, so we just suggest that people stay, you know, that the cooperation with the police is the most important thing. Reporting suspicious activities. We have a what's set up is called a gang hotline where people can report gang activity in their neighborhoods and remain anonymous.
0: I tell you what, time goes by much too quickly. We want to thank all of you, and God bless Project Safe. We just want to keep updated, and just uh, may you continue. And uh, thank you for being here. Captain Mike Harris, Detective Robert Gum, Bonnie Driscoll, and Leslie Antonis, and Martha Cisneros, thank all of you. And thank you, dear friends, wherever you may happen to be listening tonight. Have a great week, and may God continue to bless you as you love your neighbors, as you love yourselves.